This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Thursday, 15th of December, 2022, and it's the day after the FOMC meeting. Very interesting uh, what, what the FOMC delivered. I was suspecting a little bit less than what was actually delivered, but that it would lean to the hawkish side relative to market expectations. That wasn't very difficult at all, given that the market was already aggressively pricing uh, the terminal rate fairly low, and especially that uh, the Fed will be cutting by late next year. So we get in the dot plot this delivery of the 5.1% median uh, Fed projection for the rate from the FMC meeting and the accompanying materials. I, yeah, I was thinking that was the most hawkish scenario. We'd get it slightly above 5%, and that is indeed what we saw. But the market, after a bit of uh, churning and, and back and forth, deciding that uh, it would brush this off, although we are seeing the dollar back a little bit stronger this morning, the um, two-year yield uh, is, you know, offering the most recognition of the Fed's intention to continue hiking. But it only rose about 10 basis points or so and then fell back, uh, cutting about that move about in half. The 10-year even more muted the action, five basis points higher, and then rolling back. So as you can see on, and I'll just roll forward to this slide because I think it's the most interesting thing that happened yesterday, obviously, was the uh, the um, anticipation by the Fed that both GDP will weaken and the unemployment rate will rise, essentially looking, you know, borderline recession, probably two quarters in there that might be negative if, if this uh, plays out as the Fed expects or projects. Uh, and the PC inflation core, actually, they raised that. So they actually raised the core inflation level, uh, not only significantly north from the September projection, that 3.5% versus 3.1% for next year, but way ahead of what the <laughs> what the market is uh, expressing in terms of inflation swaps, which are priced to head back to 2.5%. So uh, uh, interesting there, the market, again, reacting a little bit, but as I show there on the, the two-year yield chart on the right, uh, just not much in the uh, in the reaction function in the market. But if we roll back to slide uh, two, the so the mark the stock market reaction back and forth, but ending the day slightly lower, I guess somewhat in recognition of the Fed. But really, there just wasn't a lot of volatility relative to the importance of this event, and maybe a bit of exhaustion as well from that that crazy back and forth the prior day on the CPI release. Kind of interesting to note, however, on our theme baskets that the uh, I, I sorted them on the one week basis, and you can see how well these uh, bubble stocks and some of them were high. Uh, high beta stuff is done this week. It's it's pretty it's pretty zany stuff, and uh, I think also speaks to how weak Tesla is, given that it's hitting new lows. It's a very idiosyncratic specific story that one, relative to what has been a banner week, at least week to date, for uh for the higher leveraged or the sort of higher beta stocks. Uh, in your space, Ola, and of course there was a lot yesterday's CPI and the FOMC meeting overnight. I guess the Fed buying a little bit more credibility on the gold price. We're reasonably below 1800 this morning, but I assume you're looking pretty much the same things uh, as I am with, with uh, assessing the, the precious metal space here. Yeah, I think basically now, John, uh, with the, the CPI and the FOMC meeting out of the way, this market is, is fairly soon going to run out of oxygen. And also with that, the potential uh, potential for, for further gains, I would say, this, time, this side of uh, New Year. We're seeing some... Some weakness emerging in both silver and, and gold today. Uh, part of that, obviously, is the, the dot plot, but also just simply the. I think the market had a very strong run up during the past five weeks, and a some 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 sort of consolidation uh, correction now. I think is probably in order in order to for to set up a, a potential uh, greater push next year. So, with that in mind. I wouldn't be surprised if we do see gold drift down towards the 1745 level, silver down to 2182. 
why those levels? Well, as you can see, it's by seven. These are the first retracement levels of the run-up that we had. So, so a correction to that level would just simply just signal a weak uh, correction within an uptrend. So that would not change the overall bullish narrative. So, um, and I think the bullish, the narrative remains bullish simply because the the curve remains as inverted as uh, at the most inverted in what four decades. We got yields uh, steadying around three and a half, and we got the dollar having weakened recent weeks as well, even though it is strengthening a bit now. So, um, so yeah, we we're holding out for. Um, Holding out for a push uh, higher eventually. I, I just doubt that we may that that it will happen this side of New Year. All right, interesting stuff. And yeah, it is quite a, a quite amount. Those uh, two precious metals have traveled to the upside, very similar to the scale of the dollar move. And uh, just very interesting. I, I really wonder what the market is focusing on here because if if it's going to sort of write off what the Fed is saying in terms of guidance. Yes, we have four central bank meetings up today. Are we going to get much of a market reaction around those? I think if we are to get one, and I'll. Uh, take the slides in an odd order. It might be around uh, the Bank of England, where I think their expectations of what they're going to do relative to what the market is saying is is sort of an opposite setup of the Fed. They've been kind of indicating they don't think they're going to get to the levels the market has been pricing, whereas the Fed is saying it's going to get to market levels higher than than the market is pricing. So interesting to see if that guidance does move the needle, but it does feel like sterling is very much moving on uh, versus the dollar, at least, is moving on risk sentiment. So you can see how stretched that chart is, uh, even more stretched, arguably, because you had the combination of that extra dip in sterling because of the whole uh, Liz Truss uh, fiasco uh, back in September, October timeframe, uh, on, on top of that move in the dollar lower. So interesting one there. I think it looks very stretched to me. But it, and, and what is driving this market in terms of dollar downside? Well, yes, it is the Fed rolling over, but there may be other issues afoot here. And I've tried to, to suggest there may be something with liquidity and especially the Treasury's drawdown of its general account with the Fed. So on slide four, if you have a look at where you, I think it's very interesting because I think you, you almost can't avoid the impression that the timing of the market top may have had something to do with this unless these two uh, data series are entirely uh, you know, coincidental, just they're by, by coincidence, uh, not by causation. But if you look at that slide for the black line is the Treasury's account with the Fed. It was, it was put up to insane levels because of all the stimulus uh, and all of the uh, QE that the Fed did and that the Treasury issued enormous amounts of debt to have sort of a war chest that it ended up really not needing as much as it thought it would. And it drew that down. Uh, to very low levels to avoid some of the budget uh, issues into year end, uh, and also sort of flagged that. And so that that drawdown from 1.75 trillion to uh, well below uh, you know a few hundred billion dollars uh, into late 2021, and the market top was very, the very first trading day or days of 2022. The blue line being the S and P 500, and you can see that vicious move down in the S and P 500. Yes, there was a whole episode there that's likely a, a very considerable part of this uh, narrative, which is the Fed having to move more aggressive in interest rates. But still, you saw the Treasury then building its reserves. Again, that is a draw on liquidity. So that's at least aggravating the situation at the margin. And then you're seeing a semi-repeat with a, on a far smaller scale of the Treasury drawing down those funds once again into year end this year. And, and that has uh, also coincided with a pretty solid rally in equities and an easing of financial conditions. It's just to emphasize that this could be a factor that once again, the calendar rule could be an issue. If those, if, if markets are anticipating though, that this is going to be an issue again, there could be some front running this. So I'm curious if we see a little bit of uh, shenanigans and surprisingly volatile markets into year end rather than just sort of a coasting or, or a Santa rally or whatever. But I just want to highlight this as a potential uh, factor. Uh, and then uh, on the crude market, we've had a pretty decent tick up here. 
Uh, is there anything that's going to spark uh, a lot of volatility here uh, into year end? Uh, I guess weather is less of a phenomenon here than it is in natural gas. There's some pretty extreme weather breaking breaking out in, in, in places across the globe. But um, what's your outlook here for crude? Well, more of the same, I think. The market uh, that is uh, very fixed on the uh, the, the recession fear, uh, which has been driving down prices uh, in, in recent weeks, but also uh, the, the bounce we've seen over the past uh, past week or so has, has been been driven by the the Chinese reopening. But we also uh, yesterday saw the monthly oil market re- uh, report from the IEA. They basically lifted their their outlook for demand outlook for 2023. You can see that on slide six, top right corner, the the yellow line. That's that's the IEA. The others are OPEC and uh, and EIA, and that re- that increase to 1.7 was driven by expectations for pickup uh, in Chinese demand and also gas, oil to gas or gas to oil switching, which is part of the, the, the energy crisis story that uh, with gas prices now potentially also moving higher in Asia as uh, China starts to recover, then we will see more demand for diesel uh, from a switching perspective. And, and they they'll take that into account as well when they when they highlight this change. And, and I think we just have to reiterate once again, the market is, is the, the oil market is trading as if we are heading into a recession, which would, would see a significant drop in, in oil demand. We're not, again, the three major four Forecasters, they're not seeing any of that. So, um, so some something's got to give, and I think eventually it probably will be the price that, that will move higher because the recession impact on demand is probably unlikely to uh, to have the the, the impact that uh, that's uh, currently has been priced in. And just also just on inventories yesterday, we saw quite a big jump in crude oil stocks, ten million barrels. It, it was the uh, the highest in more than the biggest weekly change in more than a year. And uh, part of that was just another bumper uh, reduction from strategic reserves. You can see that how that continues to co- collapse. That will uh, that will end soon. Um, and at the same time, also refineries were asking for more for fewer barrels of crude. Demand is slowing because inventories of uh, diesel and gasoline has been building quite rapidly recently, simply because of the the seasonal slowdown in demand that we're seeing. So. A bit of a mixed picture, but just keep an eye on, on the upside uh, potential here. We uh, we're just looking at that uh, steep tra- downtrend line. We're also looking at a 21-day moving average in Brent. That's giving us resistance today at 83.25, and WTI, as you can see on the chart here, at 77.80. These are these are the the the, the levels that uh, that needs to be taken out for for any additional uh, momentum trading uh, to uh, to to take it higher. All right. And then on the equities earnings front today, we have Adobe. We've talked a bit about it before, but just note uh, there's a lot of sensitivity on these highly valued equities. Of course, Adobe less highly valued now that A, uh, yields have come back in so uh, strongly since the, the, the market trough there uh, last year, but as well that this company has been seeing decelerating growth. And as we indicated, has been reaching out with acquisitions to try to maintain some uh, top line growth. The last big bar, you can see there on slide eight, that really big weekly bar back in September, that was their last earnings report. It's not to say that that's going to repeat. It's just to say that there's potentially significant volatility, especially on a miss on revenue guidance, et cetera, uh, for a company like this. So just be aware of that. And then an interesting name in the form of Darden Restaurants that we've talked about before as well. That's up tomorrow. Uh, the macro calendar, very busy uh, this morning. And I won't preview all of these. We have the S&B out uh, probably one minute ago, probably hiking rates at 50 basis points. Uh, there's no big surprise there. They're just sort of following uh, expectations and following the ECB to a degree. Yes, I'm seeing it confirmed. Uh, confirmed the 50 basis point hike. Uh, their guidance will will be just cautious. Their their peak inflation rate and in the headline was three and a half percent. There's no reason for them to get too excited about uh, needing to uh, hike rates beyond anything any other central bank is doing in the region, especially the ECB, which is also up today. And again, with the euro recovering as much as it has, I think they're going to soft pedal. 
on the guidance. They're going to try to talk up and lay out, clarify the QT plans. Supposedly, it's not to spook the market. The market is not spooked. Peripheral spreads are very orderly, but I think it's uh, non-serious to think that the your, uh, ECB ever does any serious quantitative tightening. Norwegian Central Bank, they're up shortly. Again, expecting them to indicate this may be the last hike for the cycle, if not very soon. They had a very ugly regions survey recently, the worst since the global financial crisis. So the so-called mainland economy, X oil and gas is not doing well. And they're concerned about that and supporting growth uh, for the mainland. Bank of England, again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think where the most room uh, might be for a central bank reaction. I think uh, Mr. Bailey is, especially is just inherently incapable of, of really maintaining a hawkish stance. And they've already indicated they think they're going to undershoot where the market is expecting them for next year. Also, I noted that very stretched uh, cable chart. So let's see what happens there. A couple of interesting uh, forward data points in the U.S. that Empire Manufacturing for December, but it's really, and, and the, uh, sorry, the weekly claims as well, but maybe the November retail sales, if it's indicating a weakness that is expected, very, very modest figures compared to the very strong October report, uh, could suggest maybe the market starts to price in concerns about actual slowdown in consumption or, or, or recession. I don't know, but let's have a look. I think it would also be uncomfortable is exceptionally hot again, uh, because of what uh, the market is pricing in terms of the forward uh, yields, etc. So surprises there could be interesting. But that's it for today. And uh, let's see where things stand. And we'll be back tomorrow with the last market call of this week. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. 